John. Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 159th edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fair Service, and we are we are here. And we are talking about your your Toronto Blue Jays, and you know what? Your Toronto Blue Jays are pretty good. You know, they could be worse. That's for sure. Uh, not a lot to complain about, I guess, here in the early going of 2018. Uh, of course, this is Birds All Day, and we talk about those very same Toronto Blue Jays who are, uh, hey, you know, they're pretty good. They've won more games than they've lost. That's always something you like to see. So we're going to talk about uh, their pretty good start. I saw something that was, I don't know, maybe trash, but it said something to the effect of uh, the Blue Jays are uh, on pace to have their best month of April ever, which is dumb. But... Eh. So let's talk. We'll talk about that. And, and you know, and joining me, uh, joining me as always, uh, old reliable, old reliable, Mister Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm doing all right. Much, uh, ready to... yeah, much like the Blue Jays, I'm doing okay. You could definitely be doing worse, and the Blue Jays could be doing worse. So uh, let's rejoice. Let us celebrate. Uh, yeah, what's new? Nothing. You're good. Everything's good. We're uh, we're here. We're cooking. Uh, and the Blue Jays are off. This is the first. This isn't the first off day of the, of the year, but uh, they're off. They're getting ready to start a season, a series uh, in Cleveland. The road trip is ongoing after having uh, beat up on the Orioles, which is uh, oh oh so satisfying. Is it not? Yeah. No. That's. Uh, I guess that's about it. That's all. That's all we have to say. Really, I mean, things are good. Things are good. They win the games, <laughs> and and we just sort of clap but nod politely. Um, because that's that that's sort of the outcome that you would hope for. Uh, it, it was it was interesting to me. I'll say this. I'll kick it off because there was a lot of pessimism in in uh, maybe skepticism, pessimism in these quarters during the off season uh, because the Blue Jays, of course, did not make a lot of big splashy moves. They didn't break the bank. They didn't trade the farm for uh, for to to help today. Um, but so get, so getting off to a very you know again it's only been a couple of weeks, but it is encouraging, uh, and it was interesting for me when the Blue Jays were playing the Orioles to listen to the Orioles broadcast as I like to do, because I love Gary Thorne so. Uh, it was listen to them and he and, and Mike Bordick, his um, broadcast colleague, sort of discuss. They were they were giving the Blue Jays a lot of credit. They were very like. This team's pretty good. They got power up and down the lineup. Of course, that's what they saw. You know, they saw uh, Aledmi Diaz hitting home runs. They didn't see him being awful like he was for the better part of last year, you know, winning another uniform. So, I don't know. It, it, to me, it was always, it's always refreshing, I guess, to see it, to hear it examined from the, from the other side, to, to hear, um, you know, teams be a little, a little bit wary. I mean, like, yeah, that team's pretty good to see people from the outside of the organization, I guess, to, um, pay them some respect. I don't know. Uh, is, is, are, it's, it's still very early to get excited or to, to start to uh, give them more credit than they're due, but it's been a good start. It, it, it has. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that's all I got. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. No, but I, I think you're right. To, to get it from that perspective uh, is, is always not necessarily just encouraging, but it's encouraging when that perspective is good and, it, and it, you know, you could get out of the, the weird sort of tunnel vision that you have as a Blue Jays fan, and especially, you know, not us, and maybe not anybody who listens to this, or not many of the people who listen to this, but, you know, people, uh, fuck, I forget the word that somebody said about, uh, 
Uh, somebody talked about demoralizing the fan base with no moves this offseason was tweeting at me about something. And they're kind of mm. half-joking, but they I don't think they were even that much joking. Like they they really feel like somehow they've been they've been kicked by the front office who just doesn't care. Uh, when the reality is, you know, the, they didn't need to do a lot to feel the team that was okay because they could have been an okay team last year with a little bit better health, right? So, uh, you know, tweaking the things that they've tweaked seems to be, uh, you know, we talked all offseason about how that, that that seems like it was a, a smart way to go about it. Uh, having Steve Pierce come into the season and, you know, actually look like the guy that they thought they were getting has been nice. Uh, having Curtis Granderson look like a really outstanding signing in the, for, you know, in the first 10 games. It's obviously ridiculous to get excited about it. Also, the the April stat is bullshit because like the, those two, the first two losses were uh, were in March, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the record ah, isn't, yeah. isn't, isn't that great. But yeah, so slightly deceptive. But, uh, but yeah, there was even a lot of fucking pessimism uh, when Giancarlo Stanton was crushing balls on opening day, right? I mean... That that was a pretty deflated room that we sat in and watched that game, um, because yeah, people I think were ready for this not to be the thing that it very easily can be, which is you know a team that stays above five hundred, that stays on the fringes of maybe not necessarily the division race, but at least uh, the second wild card race, maybe the first wild card race. Who knows with the uh, you know, I think obviously the Yankees are going to be better than what they've shown so far because it's early and it's ridiculous, like I say, to uh, to get too wrapped up in anything like that. But yeah, it looks like it's a team that has some pieces that should help them win a lot of ball games. The starting pitching uh, is going to be good, like we thought. the The offense has not been the just gruesome nightmare that it sort of was last year for so much of the year. You know, we've talked about a lot about Josh Donaldson only being himself for 50 games last year, basically. And, you know, Tulo being hurt and Morales being bad. And now, you know, now Morales is hurt and nobody would barely notice because it's kind of like, oh, all right, someone better is going to be in there. They're going to figure it out. Just having Solarte and Diaz looking like they're decent and having Granderson actually, you know, I mean, he's got he's got the the Babip situation as well. I don't want to say he's that much better than Ezekiel Carrera just based on this you know handful of games, but uh, that's a much that's an upgrade there. It's uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's it's a nice little roster. In another division, it would it would look like an even better roster. There there is up there. There's not something to be said. There's almost everything to be said about the in the early goings of the season, um, getting teams at the right time. Um, obviously the Jays went through Texas, uh, Texas is not good, but they're not nearly as bad as the team that the Blue Jays beat up on for, for the better part. Was that, I don't know, was that a four game series? Um, it just felt like the, you know, like Texas looked awful because they're bad. And now with that, having <laughs> lost Elvis Andrews for a while, yeah. he got hit, uh, on the elbow and, brought, and fractured his elbow with a pitch from, um. I think it was Blake Parker or somebody on, uh, on the Angels yesterday. Um, they're going to look worse. And they've also lost Odor, who is, that's, which is no great loss because he's uh, trash. But, like, the Rangers are not a great team, and they look like a really bad team. And and the Orioles are kind of the same thing, where the Orioles aren't so bad. Like, oh, yeah, they're missing Trumbo. But at the same time, it's like the Orioles are are very much dog shit. And, and you know, you, you if in some ways, um, you know, they, they maybe will be – 
we might see them being end up being even worse than we thought. I I think that there was you know so I saw some people picking the you know the Orioles are going to finish above the Blue Jays in the standings. The Orioles are going to challenge for the wild card. Like no, that team is is pretty bad, and yep. uh, they looked bad when the Blue Jays faced them. If, if anything, you know the 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 Orioles got a good start from Andrew Kashner that they probably you know they, I can't see them getting too many more. Of those. He sucks. <laughs> he sucks too. Yeah, but, uh, well, that, that's a, but that's a thing too, though, right? Like the Jays beat up on Cole Hamels. I mean, part of the reason that the Rangers looked so bad was they sent three straight lefties out against a team that that handles lefties quite well. Uh, but you know, Hamels they uh, they beat and they beat Dylan Bundy too. Which uh, you know, if you're an mm-hmm. Orioles fan, you feel that that's uh, that's a tricky Bundy, thing. To do. Bundy did pitch. He did pitch well. He did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He, he he. It's difficult to pin that loss on him. Um, no, but you at least. I mean, but but I don't know. The fact that they're capable of winning games, which I mean, obviously any team's capable of winning any game, but like that mm-hmm. they're that they're beating games started by good pitchers is a, a good sign. And it's just it's been. I think it's been especially refreshing because last year was just so, just so painful to watch the lineup try to hit and fail to hit when they were running out poor. Broken down Jose Bautista and Tulowitzki when he was here before the injury and and Goins and Barney and Coughlin and the whole fucking lot of them like it was uh, you know no one's had a chance to get hurt yet so we haven't had to see some of those replacement kind of guys but guys have been hurt you know Tulo obviously Morales on the shelf um, and you just feel fucking better about it Danny Jansen's I think started okay or have they they've have they even played much? Who cares? You don't really even need to matter. worry about that. You got Luke Maley up there. Yeah, that's right. Looking like Johnny fucking Bench. Doesn't even matter. <laughs> he's there. He's going to just usurp Russ Martin. He's going to, Russell Martin will fade to the background as the uh, wizened veteran catcher is going to show uh, the, the young tail. Well, and Russell Martin will be the backup third baseman as well. Um, uh, we won't talk too much more about the, the rest of the teams because that is, uh, as the current plan, uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, if you're a Patreon, uh, if you contribute to the Patreon campaign, we're going to talk about the, the the state of the league here in the first couple of weeks. We'll look or take a look, quick look around at some of the uh, the teams the Jays are competing with. So if that's something that you'd like to hear more of, you can head over to patreon.com uh, slash birds all day and, uh, and, and kick us a couple bucks a month and then a mo- bucks a month and then you will have access to that exclusive content super pad our uh, our seg our, our exclusive content that we do our exclusive segment that we do uh, just for them so if you want to hear us talk about the angels if you want to hate which uh, you know this is all I, I'm just wait this is me killing time until we get to do that um, and the rest of the, the rest of the American League dial it up on patreon but one thing we should talk about that happened in Baltimore that we we get and we we can get to the Rangers. We can also we will badmouth the Rangers at length during the the, the exclusive Superbad segment. Um, Aaron Sanchez, uh, Aaron Sanchez was uh, amazing. He carried a no hitter into the eighth inning. Yeah, yeah. Like, and uh, he eventually surrendered a run and uh, uh, and of course gave up. I believe it was three hits in a row. But he has looked very very good. Uh, so far this year, yeah, I would say better than I would have expe- any, anyone might have expected. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that piece that Jeff Sullivan wrote at Fangraphs about uh, after the first start, which was basically he looks like he has an elite changeup now, as long as he just keeps throwing it the way that he does and you know using it as much as he has. Like that's what he said after the first start, and mm-hmm. uh, and then Sanchez was so outstanding in that second one. Uh, it was a bit of a weird game, you know, with the with the cold. 
but uh, and he wasn't, you know, maybe maybe it was the the gun in Tampa. I don't know if it, I don't know how that all works, or if they're just getting the TrackMan stuff now, or the the Statcast stuff, or whatever it is. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, people were noticing the velocity was maybe a little bit down uh, in that game where he threw a no hitter into the eighth inning, and uh, you know, the movement was just ridiculous on everything because that's kind of what Aaron Sanchez does, and you know, having that having that weapon and having the ability to be a guy who can get swing and miss in addition to being what he already was is uh, yeah, it could be a real game changer. I mean, two starts is just two starts. We didn't really feel like this coming out of the spring. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you don't want to read too much into it, but, uh, but if anybody hasn't read the Sullivan piece, uh, I highly recommend that you do so because it's awesome. It's like, yeah, Aaron Sanchez has a changeup that profiles, you know, in terms of the break, the horizontal break, the the vertical break, all the uh, you know all that good stuff uh, with like the end of I think the separation, which has been an issue for him. Right, he throws it a little bit harder than a lot of people do. But it, mm-hmm. but what uh, the way it's worked so far this year uh, looks like what the, some of the best changes in the league look like. So uh, so that's that's scary. That's great. It's very good news for me uh, watching that start against the Orioles I was really I came away really really impressed with the changeup like it looked different to me mm-hmm. and uh, and be, because he was he can throw it off of his fastball which obviously has all that crazy movement as you mentioned and but he like he was throwing it four strikes so if he has the, the ability to not only to throw it in there to get a called strike with it, but then also to like bury it to a left-handed batter in particular, because he's always been pretty good. I mean, uh, in the Sullivan piece, he he highlights uh, that bat against Jose Abreu when he throws two in a row, he doubles up on the changeup to to Abreu, and uh, 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 you know that is all unto itself. I mean, everyone Blue Jays fans will remember the. Uh, Ricky Romero struggles and the Danks theory, where you didn't, he wouldn't throw it to uh, mm-hmm. the left-handed left-handed batter. So the Rays used to send all only lefties up against him, and uh, so for Sanchez to be unafraid to throw it to either-handed batters, and for him to throw it for strikes, to me, it's really, really, really exciting. It's not. Uh, I mean, uh, the knock for him, for especially for me, I've been pretty critical of Aaron Sanchez over the years. Was always that he was a kind of a one pitch pitcher, and he always had you know a kind of a nice big curveball, big yacker that he would throw from time to time, and he threw a couple of them um, on um, the other night, Tuesday night, I guess that was against um, against the Orioles. But that yeah, the changeup was just a really nice pitch, something that that you can really uh, a get lefties out a bit on, and and b just really make things make life life difficult for for right handed batters. Yeah. And, and I don't yeah. think I don't. Sorry, go ahead. No, go I was ahead. just gonna say, and for you know, for batters who have trouble squaring him up and and getting good contact out of him in the first place, just adding that dimension is uh, it just takes him to another level. Yeah. And for looking looking at the shape and the and the usage of a pitch is something that in my mind is kind of outside of the realm of um, of sample size. It's not like you want to say, oh, he's got a 15% swinging strike rate on him. Well, like that, I'm not so much interested in that. Or, oh, he's he's pitching to a, he's having a bad year. He's pitching to like a five ERA after two starts or whatever it might be. But when a a guy makes like an obvious, dynamic, observable, uh, changes something in his his offerings, in his repertoire, something that obviously he's been working on, and then to have that come out and be as plain as day. Because again, I've obviously watched Aaron Sanchez pitch a shit ton. 
Um, but I was like, I was, it was obvious to me that something was different and it was really exciting. So, so that's always, that's always nice. And maybe it'll come and go. Maybe the command of it won't last. Maybe that was, you know, everyone has those days where everything is, is, is going well and the stuff is perfect. And if he, but if, if he can continue to command that pitch like that and throw it for a strike, um, when he needs to, or when he's got guys who are leaning out over, you know, looking for the fastball or cheating on the fastball, to me, that's um, that's a pretty nice combination. Yeah, giddy up, giddy up. Yeah, I, I no, I mean, I have nothing, I have nothing to add. It's uh, it is one of the things that have been enjoyable so far, uh, for sure. Not- perhaps, perhaps the most enjoyable. Uh, uh, sort of revelation from this early season <laughs> run where the Jays have managed to not completely fall on their fucking faces like they do every year. We're all so happy and content that they aren't, the season isn't over, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, I never know what could happen here. I know it's April, it's not even tax day, but, uh, you know, maybe this is their year. No, I don't know what's well, thinking it, about that. It does suck to have to convince yourself, as we did last year, that, you know, it's... It's still very early. They still have a chance, even though you're doing the math in your head of like the pace they have to play at to get out of the hole that they dug themselves. Are they, you know, I've seen people mock the it's early crowd last year, and you know we do have to remember that they had like nine chances to get back to 500 and could have mm-hmm. you know gone from there. It wasn't necessarily as horrible a, a thing that that you know it, it didn't necessarily matter as much as it seemed like it did at the time but it did and it's so nice to uh not have just that not not have to worry about another you know each additional loss at this point do not think that to think to watch them lose a game and be like oh well they've, they've won three series in a row or and uh and split the first one you know it's they keep doing that. That is that is a okay. We could deal with the you know mentally. You could deal with the loss uh, more than when it, you know you're two and seventeen or whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of dealing with the loss, you mentioned it a little bit before. Kendrys Morales uh, is injured. Uh, he's on the disabled list. But, but, well, I don't remember the exact nature of his injury. I just know that the all the information about it came down pretty quickly. Did it not? Am I crazy? Yeah, that was um, that was an interesting thing. It was, uh, yeah, it was like a grade one hamstring sprain. I don't know, or strain. I think it's a strain. Um, and I, I talked a bit about this on Twitter with a few people. Uh, and the theory went that uh, that Nikki Huffman, who's now the head trainer, who was you know part of the high performance department, is one of the hires of the the new regime, uh, taking over the job of George Poulos. She is like. From what somebody told me, I didn't. I haven't looked into this, but so, but uh, uh, so that she is, she's you know has more formal medical training mm-hmm. and has like you know the authority to make a diagnosis like that as opposed to someone like Poulos who maybe can't you know can't have a, technically diagnose things in that way as you know the, the whatever the shape of his qualifications were i i don't know that that's necessarily true but that would make sense to me as to why i thought it was pretty noticeable how quickly we the information came out uh and how specific it was as opposed to uh some of the things we'd heard in the past which is not you know not a knock to one or the other but it was just an uh i found it noticeable when he came into the game and like two innings later they have a specific mm-hmm. diagnosis and it's like well that sounds like something he's gonna have to go on the dl for and and as he did uh 
what I was going to say mm. was not necessarily as much about that, but mm. you said it exactly, which is you never want to wish injury on anyone, and and Kendrys Morales is a capable big leaguer who who would hopefully make a contribution to the Blue Jays' chances in 2018. But his absence is not um, noticeable in the in the lineup since he went down because I don't remember what day it was and when it was because. There are more than enough guys who can step in and do that job. And if anything, removing him from the equation makes a lot of things easier. Yeah, well, when Josh Donaldson can't throw the damn baseball and you need somebody to, uh, you know, you need to get him into the lineup. Like that was the dilemma they were faced with, right? They had a lefty, I think, in Texas that the, uh, you know, Ed Morales, small sample again, you know, early on in the season, but, you know, he killed lefties last year, was dog shit against right-handed pitching. Uh, and I think that's that has felt like the trend has continued when he's come in and faced lefties. Uh, I think his, his, uh, he has been more successful so far this season, even though we're talking about really tiny samples here. Uh, that's also, as I recall Pat Tabler saying on a broadcast, that's his natural side, uh, you know, hitting from the, the right side against left-handed pitching, and uh, that he has a bit of a different swing from one side to the other. Uh, and, yeah, that's... Uh, that's noticeable, one, especially in terms of the results or the last couple of years it has been. Uh, but yeah, so having, you know, you don't really need a Kendrick's, you don't need a guy, you have enough lefty mashers in this lineup that Morales' best talent is kind of wasted a little bit here if he's unable to hit uh, right-handed pitching. Uh, it's not such a big deal when he's not able to, you know, get into the lineup. Speaking of big deal, though, hold on a second. I don't think we could go this whole episode without um, talking about Josh Donaldson playing first base. I think he was, in fact, using Kendrys Morales' glove as trapper uh-huh. yeah. uh, when he was <laughs> over there. Uh, the situation around that was hilarious, was it not? Yeah, well... Did you see the the, the quote? Why don't you go oh ahead my God. Yeah, yeah. if you know it well? <laughs> well, it was... Yeah, I think Keegan Metz tweeted it out. But what I thought was funny, I like, juxtaposed it with the, the Mets... Uh, talking about, oh, Jay Bruce might have to do like five, you know, practice five times, you know, pregame, take some balls there. Then he might be ready to fill in at first base like he's played there before. But And then the, the, the contrast was with the Jays where apparently Keegan tweeted like, the reason Josh Donaldson played in that game, uh, he told Gibby he'd done it before. And Gibbons was like, well, go get it. <laughs> Which sounds about, uh, by the way, uh, Ryan Goins in this, in this uh, Royals-Angels game I'm watching has now two hits. After I was critical of him, shockingly enough. Uh, no, that it, it was amazing. And then he was out there at first base doing the big stretch, looking like a million oh, yeah, bucks playing yeah. first base. At the same time... You ready to put him to there? Me, <laughs> no, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. The optics of putting him at first base are is all bad. It, it reminds me about... It makes me think about the, when your car, your odometer rolls over from like nine, 99,999 kilometers over to 100,000. Even though nominally nothing's different about your car, it like takes a big chunk out of your value. So even if you start spending too much time over there at first base, it's like, ooh, oh, that's a first baseman over there. I don't know if we can, uh, you know, you just view him in a different light. It just, everything about it is, everything about him is different. I don't want to see him taking, making starts over there. As soon as that, that was the kiss of death with, with Jose Bautista. As soon as it was like, oh, we could play him at first base. Nope. Then now, then he's dead. He's all, he was useless. <laughs> he, was, he was done after that. Yeah. I, I was reading. So I was going back through. I don't know what I was looking at. Well, remember Jose Bautista was starting in center field in like 2015. No, 15, 15, 14, Maybe 14. But yeah, it, doesn't it, it even really matter. Though, yeah. No, 
<laughs> and then they were like, oh, maybe they can play him at first base. It's like, oh, no, kiss to death. Kiss of death. Uh, so I don't want to see Josh Johnson over there anymore, although he's obviously willing and he doesn't give a shit. He'll play anywhere. He'll play shortstop. Again, again, this is a guy we were like, maybe you could play shortstop a little bit this year. Who knows? Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think that they're, you know, God bless Kendrys Morales, but uh, with Steve Pierce performing at or above, you know, he looks like Steve Pierce. He looks like the prototypical or the the professional hitter that we all love to to kind of roll our eyes when we hear us uh, hear that term used. But that's kind of what he is. He can hit. He's not really bringing too much else to the table. He's got awful in the outfield. They're playing him in right field, which just seems like a crime. But uh, he he yeah. can certainly hit, and Granderson can hit, and he even though. His defense probably is is maybe I don't he never had much of a throwing arm but he was a guy who played center field in big leagues for a long long time so you're okay with him out there and uh, but those are also guys who can cycle through a DH if you're you know going in a different direction depending on what's going on in the outfield which which brings me to the next point mm-hmm. which is so Steve Steve Pierce is good uh, and we're happy Curtis Granderson is good we're happy uh, the following players are bad and should be cut. <laughs> number one Devin Travis yeah you're off that bandwagon I see um, uh, yeah maybe kinda I don't know uh, obviously he has succeeded in the big leagues uh, as a member of the Blue Jays more than once but also he has not succeeded in the big leagues for big chunks. Like there's one, you know, 2015 is carrying him a lot of the way. You know, oh, I yeah, don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm just worried that maybe he's not good. Well, he was awful last April too, though he didn't really have a, a spring training to speak of. And then uh, May just, was, you know, carried the whole team in May. It was outstanding. So you know, maybe it's just a matter of that's the kind of guy that he is. He needs to get his timing down. He needs to. Uh, he needs a little more time to get into it. I mean, I'm not ready to rail off Devin Travis, obviously. Uh, but it is in times like these where the flaws become a little more noticeable, for sure. Uh, you know, you'd like to see some more walks. Right now, I mean, right now, I did the very, very, you know, ludicrously early look at some of the, the StatCast data uh, and the, the exit velocity stuff. He's just not hitting the ball with authority. I don't know if that's changed over the last handful of games. It probably has because it's so early that there's, you know, the samples mm-hmm. are likely to fluctuate quite a bit, uh, which is why it was silly to, to do that, even though I did it anyway. Uh, but yeah, he... <laughs> Check cleared, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he, you, you know, you see the the way he's going right now, he's a guy where you're like, well, I can think of at least at least one guy in double A that, that, that Devin Travis's pre- uh, presence on this roster is not going to uh, hold me back from calling up at basically any time he seems ready. Uh, but that's really, really premature to say. It is premature to say, and yet here we are saying it. Yeah, well. he's done. No, I, I think I think you're right. Um, I think it could turn around. I would not be surprised if he if it completely turned around. He has been a very nice player in the big leagues. I think it's like over five wins over you know 200 games. The issue's been the the health, and you, you know you wonder if the knee thing is maybe maybe that has some relationship to the inability to drive the ball as hard as he has in the past and. You know, if that's a trend that continues, then maybe I'll start to get worried about it. If he's not going to be able to hit the ball the way that he needs to to be a successful big leaguer, because obviously that's like that's his. Th- I mean, it's not he's not a Randall Gritchick out there, who I think is another player you may end up cutting uh, before the. Oh yeah, he's next through. on the cutting list. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's not out there. You know, 
with the, those kind of exit velocities, you kind of sometimes can, you know, have that inside out swing and do the, you know, go, go with the pitch, go the other way, not necessarily clobbering it. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's something that absolutely deserves uh, consideration and monitoring and, and uh, you know, nobody should be calm and thinking that he's going to be totally fine, but uh, he may well just snap out of it and, and make us look ridiculous. I mean, we've, when we're talking about such small sample sizes, we, we've been fooled in the past. Troy Tulowitzki looked dead for a couple months, three months, I want to say in 2016, and then uh, looked like a, a league average hitter, maybe even better for that you know last, last gasp of his poor once incredible career. We've done this before. We do this sort of special pleading over a guy who's hurt or a guy who's aging or kind of having these struggles where we – highlight or, or or lean heavily on this chunk of time mm-hmm. this chunk of production if it's a you know a Devin Travis May in 2017 or June in 2016 or whatever individual months that he's able to sort of um, remind everyone of what he could possibly be but as those as it starts to get longer over time and those kind of Batches of of competence start suddenly um, become fewer or far between, or even you know when the lows start to are, are are low enough and prolonged enough that they're pulling down the overall production. That's when you start to you start to question about you know whether or not this is a, this is the guy that we're gonna this is gonna be our guy. This is gonna be the person who's gonna be in this role every day. So maybe you start to look around at alternatives at that point. But I do think that. Devin Travis does have, you know, a, the, a track record such that he looks, he has looked at, for extended periods of time like a above average big, big league hitter. Like there's no why say anything else that, that anything else would be a lie. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the, that's that's the also the nature of of baseball. That's how baseball works. He's going to get rope. He's going to get all the rope that Gibby can afford him probably. Um, because that just seems like the kind of guy that John Gibbons is, and then he'll be the everyday second baseman until he isn't. And if it's health or if it's performance, who knows? But uh, at the same time, it's a shame to cut him. Uh, <laughs> and you mentioned Randall Gritchick, who is uh, not off to a great start as a Blue Jay. Some might say he's off to a terrible start as a Blue Jay, mostly because that is um, accurate. He's been very bad. Oh, yeah. Awful. Very, very bad. Lots of strikeouts. Not as many strikeouts as Travis. Not a lot of walks, but still more walks than Travis. <laughs> and uh, he did hit a home run. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, looking pretty grim. But what does that mean? Nothing. No, right? not really. I mean, that's, yeah. He, he, how good is he going to look, I guess, is the thing. I mean, the, the Blue Jays kind of made a bet here uh, against the better judgment of the St. Louis Cardinals, not a not a well run organization at all, uh, <laughs> right? Like, which is you know maybe a red flag, but they've made a bet on a guy who, you know, fits a fits a profile that they you know just based on the Teoscar Hernandez thing, uh, acquisition of him that they, they don't hate as much as uh, as maybe other people do, uh, maybe say you or I or the people running the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, so like, no, you know what. Go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, like, he, like, what? what is Grichuk going to do? It's going to be 
you know, you're going to get 30 home runs at some point, and you're going to hope that they come in situations where that, uh, they kind of <laughs> matter, and then he's going to give you some decent defense in right field, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't disagree. And, and, and you're, the point about Teoscar Hernandez, who obviously elicited a lot of shrugs when the, when the Blue Jays acquired him, and unless, you know, you happen to remember the Dick game where he hit two home runs, you know, two years ago. Um, and then he, of course, kind of set the world on fire a little bit in September, and now he's down in Buffalo. So he went from being a nobody to the savior, and then now that Gritchick is off to a, 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 a slow start. The belief is, of course, then that Teoscar Hernandez will come in and save the day, even though there's a, they are very, very similar. And both, you know, Gritchick is, this is not who he is. He's not, nobody's this bad. And there's always an equal chance that Hernandez could come in and slump as well. But one thing I will say about the, the, um, this kind of player profile, I do like when they have the ability to do a little bit more. I, I, when the Blue Jays were playing the Rangers all weekend and I'm we're watching Joey Gallo and in some ways Joey Gallo comes to the plate and I'm very wary because it's like man he's got like 80 power he could hit it through the through the wall if he wanted to but at the same other on the other hand I'm like Joey Gallo is fucking awful <laughs> yeah a little bit and that player profile does not appeal to me at all now he's kind of stuck playing first base because of Adrian Beltre so Gallo is probably um, could be a third baseman, but I mean, like th- that that taken rake. Maybe he'll walk. He'll strike out forty percent of the time. He'll hit some home runs. Hit some, hit some home runs. Man, if you can't play defense or a good defensive or offer, a, you know, play a good defensive role, man, that that player profile just does not suit me. Maybe like it used to. And even if it, even if you are good, I mean, you have to be George Springer and go from being that, and then get way better really fast mm-hmm. to be to to then become awesome. But like, I don't know. I just they you're right in that they they have a higher tolerance for that kind of player type. Um, I guess if they believe that they, as we've said before, they they seem to think that they can coach these guys up or help develop players like this. So. Well, and this, this is them taking their shot. I mean, it, that that is what it is, and I mean Atkins and and you know there was much made about Gritchick's vision training over the off season, which obviously is you know one of those ridiculous things that every spring. Not to say that he wasn't doing it or isn't trying or anything, but mm-hmm. there were there are things that apparently the Blue Jays saw in him and I think they could do with him that uh, that, that can add to his value and make him less one dimensional. Uh, and Hernandez, actually, you know, if you look at his time in Houston, he kind of went away as a prospect for a bit because he had, like, huge strikeout totals in one of the single-A levels, I think. And then kind of came back uh, and had a great year at double-A, I want to say, like, 2015 or 2016. Um, but if you look at his numbers in Houston, like, the strikeout rate went way down. The walks were, like, I mean, way down is to, like, 20% as opposed to, like, 35%. Uh, mm-hmm. And kind of looked more like the guy that... Uh, you know, we kind of talk about as, as I don't know. That just feels like, and maybe the maybe the Blue Jays are right, but that just feels like a better, a more well-rounded player. Uh, feels like it's a better contributor, even though that maybe, you know, maybe that's just us not appreciating the fact that, you know, the numbers don't bear that out. You know, if you look at weighted runs created plus, the these one-dimensional guys do quite well a lot of the time because all those home runs just pump that up and even if you have a fucking 298 on base you drop in enough home runs there and you're you're creating enough offense that 
that you are an above average hitter as opposed to somebody who's actually putting the ball in play a lot more. And this is, you know, that, that's, uh, so I, I don't, I, I hesitate to necessarily say Hernandez has to, to go back to being the guy who walks a little more, strikes out a little less, and maybe doesn't hit as many bombs kind of a player for me to be more on board with that type. But uh, I nevertheless will say it. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, we'll say it. Um, anybody? Oh, one other bad player that I think we should cut, uh, that, that should be cut, Marcus Stroman. Oh, wow. Well. He's, he's bad. I don't know if you noticed that. Bad now. Is he bad now? No, I didn't notice that. I thought he was okay. Yeah, yeah, he's bad. He uh, he is walking the whole world, <laughs> and, he, and and that makes him bad. Well, he did that's the that only sh- thing that's... Hmm? That shoulder thing, you know. Cut him a little slack, perhaps. I will do no such no, thing, and I, I I will cut him indeed, but okay. no slack. Okay. Um. Yeah. Don't be bad anymore. <laughs> he's walking seventeen percent of the batters that he's faced. That's bad. Uh, sample size. Be damned. Bad now. Getting getting just pulled. Hit hard. Hit balls. Slightly above where it usually is. Oh, unbelievable. He's bad. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. He's fine. Yeah. I mean, the walks are the walks are the walks are discouraging but it's been two starts yeah so that's really all that needs to be said i think got eight is... walks in nine and two-thirds innings well i mean yeah sanchez is the ace now it's that simple i think jay happ is the ace i don't really think there's any debate about that in my mind which is a very strange thing to say at any point in human <laughs> history let alone in 2018 jay happ is such a fucking stud his numbers uh, obviously don't jump off the page because it's early and they don't necessarily. I don't know. He's awesome. Love J Hap. Huge strikeout numbers. J Hap. to like J Hap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hard, no, well, it's also hard to like J Hap. He doesn't give you a lot to work with. Um, but uh, in terms of just like he's very tall and skinny and and quiet. Um, if you're, I'm talking from like a, from a fan perspective, like J Hap doesn't quicken the pulse. But uh, damn, he's real good. I like him a lot. Got a haircut you can set your watch to. Uh, well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> but yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, it doesn't quicken the pulse much. But yeah, resign J Hap. Let's do it. Do it already. Man is old though. Gonna saddle mm-hmm. him with that qualifying offer. He's he's got no market. He'll uh, he'll he'll be happy to come back. The Blue Jays, the Vlad and Bo era is getting so close. This is a, obviously a tangent. That uh, mm-hmm. no need to take that step back in 2019. Keep these guys. Keep uh, keep some talent around, and let's uh, uh, let's infuse it with the with those youngsters instead of like this ridiculous idea of trying to to uh, to rebuild, as it were, uh, your entire roster for a couple of years from now. Bullshit. Keep Hap around. Keep Estrada around. Have some have some veterans here. We're still decent when uh, you get all those free wins from uh, Guerrero and Bichette. You are and not going to get a lot of beef, a lot of uh, complaint from me for keeping um, Jay Happ around. Yeah. Fun fact, Jay Happ, fun fact, according to Fangraphs, according to the pitch effective data uh, here in the early going in 2018, at highest average fastball velocity of his career. Wow. He's averaging 93.3 miles an hour on his fastball. He's 35 years old. Love it. He's like... He, I think in a lot of ways, Jay Happ is like, he is like LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Just getting, know, he's real good. getting better with age. Getting better with age. Uh, you have spoken of the teens um, briefly. We should we can have teen talk here now. Uh, Vlad Guerrero, as it turns out, very good. <laughs> it, does, it does seem like that's true. Yeah. Uh, the moment that many of us have been waiting for, other than when he actually you know, plays in the big leagues for real, um, is that Vlad, Vlad Guerrero, the light, the cabin light for home runs went off in the um, in the <laughs> A3, A3 Airbus Guerrero Jr. And he's hit some loud and long home runs in the early going uh, in double A for where he will stay ever so briefly. Uh, and that's exciting because uh, well, not the knock, but. He definitely, everything you read suggests that he was very much like, his approach has been very contact heavy. He's showing off like a huge hit tool in terms of just being able to put the bat on the ball and the ball to all fields and line drives and stuff. Now he's like, oh, home runs, I see, I I can do that too. And uh, off you go. Yeah, and that was, I mean, we talked a bit about that when uh, when Baseball Prospectus had him as like the number four prospect in, in all of baseball, which... Which seemed like such a harsh knock because he was much higher on, or higher, obviously, you can't get much higher mm-hmm. for on other lists. And they were like, you know, well, the, when they were there, their guys didn't really see it. And that the, the power is showing up in batting practice, but last year didn't necessarily do so in games. He only hit 13 home runs last year, which seems absurd for someone who, you know, you watch the, the Midwest League home run derby or you watch him even when he was, you know, 15, 16 year old kid in the Dominican just crushing balls and seeing him him now you know obviously there's there's more power than a guy who's going to hit 13 home runs in a five-month season uh and uh you know it's starting to it's starting to show up and it's starting to show up but at a more advanced level uh against better pitching in a park that is uh well, i mean i don't even know that they were at home but it's a park that plays really well for left-handed hitters uh power hitters it's got it's i've I've written about this before and I've tweeted out like if you actually look at the physical dimensions of that park it becomes very obvious because it's kind of like boxed in by train tracks so the left field mm-hmm. port, or the sort of the right field porch is pretty short and then it's just a long way out to right uh, like it's not super like like it, it, it's not it's completely asymmetrical like it's, it's a baseball stadium but it's just you will see it when you Google it and when you look at it on the uh, on the Google Maps. And so that's not giving him a hand there. Like, say, it might have Rowdy Tellez when he had his big year or Dalton Pompey when he had a big year uh, uh, pulling the ball down the, the right field side. Uh, Thames and Snyder. They, yeah, those were other guys who had – I mean, I, I think Eric Thames' power might be for real. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, other guys who kind of had that same knock with the, uh, with the park help, helping them out a, a bit. But uh, obviously a right-handed hitter. Uh, might have a little trouble with uh, power in that home park, uh, but I don't know that Vlad is going to be uh, a typical prospect in that regard. Uh, and like you say, we might not see him at that level long enough to really get a great sense for it anyway, because uh, he seems like he can hit. Uh, he does. It does seem like he can hit, uh, just as he has been, just as he has hit uh, at every level, and uh, and and Bobichet as well. Again, very early, but uh, getting on base, not maybe not hitting for the same kind of power. But um, what are you going to complain? No. The answer to that is you're not. <laughs> and the, the funny, I keep coming back to a thing at, at a pitch talks. Uh, uh, Arturo Marcano, who uh, is an ESPN Deportes guy, who uh, who's based in Toronto, has done pitch talks a few times, uh, and I did one talking about. Uh, the Venezuelan league, I remember, and and, and has all sorts of uh, connections and, and knows all sorts about the, the Caribbean game. 
I, somebody asked him a question. I think about you know about prospects being being young and and be and. and and being sort of not new to the game, but sort of new to the and he just sort of deadpanned like these, these guys have been they've been professional since they were twelve years old, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you get that feeling very much from Guerrero, who you know just turned nineteen, but looks like every bit not somebody who is nineteen years old when he steps up and has an idea of what to do and is facing guys that much older and uh, just the yeah, it's it's ridiculous the combination of recognition with the ability to put the fucking barrel on the ball uh, when he recognizes that it's hittable. Uh, it's, we talk about it a lot and we've talked about this particular a lot, like the fact that it's just, it's another, it, it, it's a new era of all this stuff where we can see it on, on Twitter, on, on YouTube every night what he's doing, but, uh, but it's just got a whole different feel than any Blue Jays prospect who's come before. Uh, ever, I mean, I don't remember, you know, Delgado as a prospect, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's no, something. I, o- it's something else. It's something else. I'm the same way. I I don't. I didn't really. You know, obviously the Travis Snyder thing that we have all had. Many of us have had a hard time letting go of. But um, but it, it, this this is this is it's something else, and it's exciting. And I'm in some ways I'm thankful. That, uh, Everyone should be thankful that the team, the big league team, is off to a strong start because it keeps the attention there. And the Blue Jays have obviously in the early going have played against, you know, getting series against the Orioles, series against the Yankees, series against the Rangers. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fun associated with those series. It's fun to hate on the Rangers. It's fun to laugh at the Orioles. It's fun to, you know, just everything with the Yankees is always a little bit extra. So that it's nice to have that going on. So that the 2018 baseball season season isn't watching Vlad Guerrero Jr. from afar because it very easily could turn into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And some of the la- some of the, I mean, if you're the, the, the Braves this year, everything that happens at the big league level is done with like a, well, what's this going to mean for um, uh, uh, Ronald Acuna? Like everything is about that, right? Everything is, oh, well, this guy, Preston Tucker's off to a hot start. So that means they, they might have to move Nick Marquecas out when Acuna's ready or whatever, like back and forth all the time. What the Braves people that I, you know, kind of peer in on from time to time, that seems to be the, the debate. Right now, we're still talking about the Blue Jays need to win games. Um, and and for me, of foolishly enough, I can't pretend like I didn't. When Morales was hurt, I'm like, oh, well, call him up. <laughs> Up he comes. Right, right. It's got to be now. It has to be now. And then it wasn't. It's was Mesa. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, it's it's nice to have them happening. Happening. These two things happening in uh, in concert, happening side by side, rather than just sitting and openly pining to bring Guerrero Junior up. Where now, if they if they keep if they continue to play good baseball, there's a good chance that a very good player, maybe two. Can help them continue to play big, good baseball at the big league level, and that that is, and I wrote about this in my my Donaldson piece that was up here on Thursday. But like that, and, and you know what I was saying before about fucking resign J Hap. Like I don't know, try to be try to be good next year. Don't this idea of the of the reset year. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's too early to be calling that off entirely after like ten games or whatever the hell it's been. But I don't know. There, are, there are real major leaguers here. Uh, you keep Donaldson around if you can figure that out, and you can keep keep Hap around, and you can add Guerrero and Bichette to to that team. That's uh, 
that, that you're looking real good, I think. And not only that, then you don't have to do the stupid Braves thing where you're like, well, what do, what do we think about their service time? How do we manipulate this? How do we do all that bullshit? You could just kind mm-hmm. of be like, these guys can help us now. We want them to come up and help us now. You know, if your 2019 team has actual intentions on being good, then the answer of what to do about their service time is obvious. You call up the guys who are ready to help you. Um, so, yeah, let's just keep doubling down. <laughs> let, let, the, let the oldest team in baseball stay the oldest team in baseball forever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so, you know, I'm not saying we – I'm not saying we'd sign Morales – uh, there, there, there are certain. Oh, that, how, how brave of you! Yeah, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Uh, I'm not necessarily. I'm not just saying that, but yeah, I, I uh, try, and I think that's kind of, you know, they've hedged their bets a lot with the roster that they have, with Granderson being uh, one year, and with you know getting guys for nothing, and Gritchick and Solarte who have a little bit of term, but are you know, two win guys, not you know, not more than that. Uh, but I don't know if you – I mean, you lose Donaldson and the equation changes, and that's kind of what I was writing a bit about this week, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. addition to talking about what we did on Superbad last time about the Blackman deal. But uh, but if you don't lose Donaldson, then there's there's a team here, and that's going to get a bunch of free wins from these guys, from Danny Jansen, from perhaps Anthony Alford. Like, there are, there are people to, uh, to come in and pick up the slack and make this a younger team – without having to make a more concerted effort to clear away the old mm-hmm. guys because it will just be sort of natural how guys come in and take those positions and take those jobs. Uh, so, yeah, uh, 2019, let's go. Let's, let's stop, this, uh, stop this rebuild talk right now. Sold. <laughs> Sold. That's good. I'm in. I like that. I think that you are right. And I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the children and encouraged by the old men as well. I feel this is a, uh, I feel this is an episode we're going to have to like mark and listen back to in like three months, and perhaps we'll have to marvel at how astoundingly wrong we've been here. It's, a, it's important to be as naive as possible to just wish cast away and be like, well, you know, 36 year old Jay Happ will still be a very very good pitcher. Uh, which is to say nothing of like how 35-year-old Jay Happ finishes the other 32 starts of his season. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, They're not 9-1, and one, right? They're not, they don't look like the best team in baseball, but they look good, and I don't know why anyone would ever complain about that. So we won't. So to keep from complaining, other than the three players that we sadly had to cut, um, we won't complain, and we'll move on. We'll, we'll shut it down, actually. This is it. So as we always say... Um, Subscribe to the podcast uh, if you are on iTunes or uh, Podbean and some of those places where we host it on SoundCloud. Um, so that's the number one place you can get it directly from us, and it's not going to be some weird thing full of disease. So SoundCloud is our spot, soundcloud.com slash birdsallday. There's an RSS feed you can find on there. Uh, and, of course, uh, patreon.com, as we mentioned before, patreon.com slash birdsallday. If you want to support the podcast and keep us going, keep us living in the style to which we have grown accustomed, and uh, if you want to get the exclusive uh, Superbad segments and, uh, you know, other stuff happens through there, too. Um, and uh, this week on Superbad, we're going to talk about the rest of the American League and take a look at uh, how things have shape- shaken out in the early going. You got anything else, Stoughton? I do not. Uh, of course, you can read Stoughton at The Athletic T.O. 
which uh, you should subscribe to. I did, uh, and it's great. A lot of good stuff. John Lott. If you want to read John Lott, that's where you go, and uh, that pays for itself almost almost immediately. Lott, Lott. Lott is amazing, but, I mean, fuck. Jason Stark and Ken Rosenthal, and they continue to add. I mean, this, I, I don't want to go full on into the sales pitch mode, but they continue to add writers uh, across the league. Uh, they've got great coverage of the Angels, which I was tweeting about earlier, because that's a team obviously that the Jays are going to be watching, and we'll be talking about a mm-hmm. bunch of teams on Superbad of you know from around the American League that that uh, are of interest to a team that is pretty confident that they're going to be competing for a wild card at best. So mm-hmm. uh, and so there's lots of coverage in lots of cities and all the other sports too. I mean, I don't know if you've heard about hockey, but that's a thing that's happened. Um, they, they, seem to be they have some very, very, very good hockey writers. They, um, friends of ours, uh, yeah. Justin Bourne, in, in, to name one, um, uh, and Bourne's the best. And and if you like hockey, now is the time to be reading that basketball. Of course, um, some great basketball stuff. If you're a Raptors fan uh, or not, I, I, lots of cool stuff about LeBron. You can read on there too. Yeah, no, I it's, like to read it, about it's, LeBron. Uh, it, it is a growing juggernaut. It's uh, it's intimidating as hell to be a part of. I tell you what. Well, <laughs> can't get a better sales pitch than that now, can you? <laughs> uh, so that's it. That's it for this edition of Birds All Day. Uh, we will talk to you uh, next week when something else will have stupidly happened and all this will be for naught. Uh, we'll talk to you later on Birds All Day. <laughs>